This is Chris Down. Let me tell you something. I, I haven't drunk. I started drinking on New Year's. I haven't drunk in like two years. First time I've been drinking because I you know stomach problems. But we went platinum on niggas. And we got the Grammy. No, we don't have the Grammy. Nominated. We nominated for a Grammy. But for the hood, we in. That's like getting the Grammy. <laughs> being nominated. That's my man Jim Jones right back back there. We're going to call him, a.k.a. Chris Sipper. <laughs> Coffee slapper. Now, the reason we here is my nigga Tim Westwood. Let me tell you, I fuck with Tim Westwood. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the RNC Radio Live podcast. A couple days late, but we're still sneaking in on June. I'm Justin, and I'm joined by, once again, Josh Pease. What's up, Josh? Josh Pease. Ain't shit funny. I gotta bring that back. I, gotta, I always say ain't shit funny. You wearing Josh Peace. You wearing an ain't shit funny hoodie. Yeah, I'm wearing a whole ain't shit funny outfit. Wow. Even yeah. the motherfucking Stan Smiths. Nobody. This is the official shoe of ain't shit funny. <laughs> For real, ask around. Ask Adidas. Nobody that ask Adidas is fucking hilarious. Uh, once again, like ain't a lot of ancient funny gear that I've, I've never got comped for. Everybody says that. Everyone that I know be like, "Yo, I don't have no free ancient funny yeah. shit." I'm like, "Yeah, man, that's a pattern." That's oh, a reason. Hooking up with some ancient funny man. It's not it's cheap. Fun. Honestly, that's funny. I'm about to I'm about to revamp the whole shit. Coming strong, so be tuned. Tune in. Tune the fuck in, as the as the CC show says. <laughs> Everybody's literally always working on something. Uh, we like I said before, we squeaked past May. May was a little, uh, it was a little hectic. I have to say, I, I think a lot of shit yeah. was going on in May. Uh, but how how was your May? My May was cool. It's gonna be May. That's, that's <laughs> the weakest meme on the internet. That's and that's the whitest meme as well. It's just crazy. That's the weakest one. But nah, May was cool. Just a, just busy, man. Like. It's a busy season for me. I was just cooking up, doing a lot of shit. So and me as well. I think a lot of shit was just going down. But once again, we are here. We are at least a little bit more consistent than going missing for eight months. Yeah, no, we back for real. It wasn't a wasn't a, a test. Yes, we here. We we love the reception that we got from the Rick Ross Deeper Than Rap episode last time. We had a lot of really good conversation about Nipsey Hussle and Rick Ross and all types of things that were going on at, the, at that moment at that point. And now we're reaching the hot summer period of the 2019 season. Uh, not a lot of new shit. Right. Yeah, man, I just I tweeted this the other day, like, a lot of my new favorite rappers or, like, newcomers that's coming up haven't dropped their projects yet. Nothing. But uh, I will say in the last week, week, two weeks, you've seen Cowboy drop his project, which is dope as fuck. You've seen No Cap drop his project, which is dope as fuck. And those are two, like, rookies that I'm really looking out for. So. Yeah. Shout out to them. But yeah, a lot of rookies haven't dropped. Roddy Rich, where you at, man? Yeah, I think a lot. I'm waiting for Roddy Rich too. I think, you know, everyone's waiting patiently to see like the relationships that he's already built in such an early career, what he's going to do next. Like, obviously, like his, his last week's state was so great. I think, I mean, he could technically drop an album with what he did last time at this point. Uh, we do have a special guest here. Uh, we have Cameron Hay. Mr. Cam, what's going on, Cam? What's it good? I'm happy to be back on. We whatever, like big homies, You know, Cam. Uh, I think last time we actually did RNC Radio when it was like last year, Cam did join us as kind of like the fact check uh, machine here. But today, uh, you know, Cam. Yo, it was crazy. That was like when I first moved out to LA. It's been a year. Yeah. Yeah, that was a most fun. Yeah, it's it's been an absolute year since then. 
you you uh, started hosting late fees with myself and Eric and Pat. As a matter of fact, Josh will be on late fees uh, next week. Can't or fucking week. wait. <laughs> <laughs> I got my stories and my notes prepped. I cannot wait. That's going to be a great episode. Uh, and that is going to be uh, talking about John Singleton and, you know, just hood movies in general uh, on that episode. So stay tuned for that later this week. I mean, not, not next week, this week. Uh, this is, of course, a week after our RNC decade list have dropped we had so many arguments and so many debates about this. Uh, me and Cam were kind of like at the nucleus of this debate. We had created our own channel in Slack away from Josh so that he could. I even know what the fuck is going on. I just seen the list drop. I'm like, oh shit, we doing some shit. <laughs> but you know what? It's funny on that topic, just about the debates and everything and back and forth. The funniest uh, critique I saw about the list was someone said like. I'm not taking the opinion of a bunch of former complex writers. I was like, what? That's funny to me. I don't know. <laughs> That's comedy. The, uh, yo, Cam got something to say. What was you got something to say? No, I was just like, man, that tweet was like crazy considering what he was arguing for. We had his guy on the list. On the, in the top of my head. He just wanted to throw some shade. Shout out to him. He was hot. I responded to it with a Rick Ross line and he didn't really have anything to say about it. But shout out to Keith. I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but like that that former complex shit was like, damn, I wrote for them in like years. Yeah, like, like, Shout out to you, man. You had that time. You yeah, made that shit. shit. None of us are actually employed by complex. Oh, right. wild. But uh, yeah, we, we created this list, and um, shout out to Mills for being kind of the mastermind of behind RNC decade. We wanted to, you know, really talk about, you know, from 2010 to now, like, what are the biggest moments, what are the biggest things that happened, what are the biggest sports moments, you know, we had RSBN, we had the A show, we had Late Fees, we had so many shows talking about the, you know, the top, but the biggest thing is, of course, music and artists of the decade, and, you know, we we went over it, and we kind of got in the group chat, and we argued about it one Saturday, and I got upset, and I, really was, I felt as though people, you know, people were unfair, and I... I made this idea where I was like, let's ask our friend Robbie Rad to look over this list. And I was like, how about, no, it was like, how about Josh? I said, you know what, we need to bring Josh in here. And everybody was like, no, I unanimously, niggas was like, no, don't bring Josh in here, he's gonna ruin the list. And they were like, bring Robbie in. And I was like, I don't know, guys, this might be a bad idea. And Robbie <laughs> fucked up the whole list. <laughs> we had Thug at five. Yeah, I felt really good about the initial list with Thug at five. And then Robbie came in and said, it's still better than me, Mills. Mills just needed some backup. Mills needed, like, one person to, like, come right behind him. And once once Robbie put that battery in Mills' back, it was over. Well, I mean, it was unanimous that Drake was number one. I think Josh, you could probably... Yeah, no, nah, Drake definitely number one, I Drake. think. It's, it's, yeah, I, I like the list up until... I don't know, Ross at number five is a little shaky to me. I would put I would put Nicki at number five, honestly. That's fair. I mean, Huey might not like that choice, but <laughs> I think I would put Nicki at number five. Honestly, Ross is, is shaking on this list as a whole to me. I think I would replace Ross with Wiz, just because I think Wiz at five. Uh, no, it would probably be like a six. Okay. Honestly, I take that back. No, I'll keep Ross on the list. I'll probably take Meek off the list. Honestly, it's a strong like Meek and Ross are like really shaking me because I think Wiz yeah. kind of influenced. A generation a lot more from the music even to lifestyle like Cardi I mean yeah like not like I just straight up no one was talking about weed and music until Wiz came out on the scene right facts like you had Snoop was kind of like a, a dated version of that you kind of had the 90s rappers and like that went to like Method Man was like a dated but like 
who made that shit cool was yeah. Wiz. Like, I know a lot of niggas who smoke weed because of Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> so it's like, I, I gotta give them that just straight up. And then just from the style, like the camo shorts, yeah. these niggas that dress like that now to this day because yeah. of what Wiz put on. Yeah, so it's like, Wiz is definitely an influential, influential artist of this generation. I think he should have been added. So, I'm not mad at Thug, though. I'm not mad at Ye. I would, I mean, I think Ye could even been higher on the list, honestly. I'm not agreeing right. with his politics and shit right now, but. But let, let's go through the list real quick from, from one to 10. Okay, number one, we had Drake. That was a unanimous RNC vote. I think, yeah. you know, any list, I just feel like this, like any list that doesn't have him at number one, you, there's some hate. Yeah. Like, there's obviously something going on with you. Like, there's nobody, I don't think we've ever seen a rapper do what he's done in 10 years. Ever. I think maybe for this 50, long. For this long. Like, I mean, I've seen 50, I mean, we lived through 50, Pop, Big, all of, all of them, and we yeah. haven't seen anything like this before. Like, yeah. he is literally a brand. Like, I've never seen someone brand themselves like that. Even Jay. Uh, so we have Drake, number one, Kendrick Lamar, number two, J. Cole, number three. Those top threes are, that's fair. Yeah. Those are fair top threes. Yeah. No, number four is Future. Number five, Rick Ross. Number six, Nicki Minaj, which was she was a late addition to the list. Uh, That's six, surprising. I voted Nicki in. You have no, you have no, whatever hip female hip hop is right now yeah. would not exist without Nicki Minaj. I mean, Mills had Nicki on our list, and even some male rappers. Did Mark have her too? I think he did yeah. too. I think I, I had her on others, and then we kind of had to argue her on after the fact because it was literally between her and Tyler at one point. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think once you present the argument, like I think besides Huey, like everybody was pretty much on board. Like, yeah. You can't, especially if you did up until about 2016, it's undeniable. Absolutely. From 2010 through 2016. Because 2016 is when more female rappers started to kind of appear. Yeah. And they started to actually be competition. Um, number seven, Meek Mill. Number eight, Young Thug. Number nine, Kanye West. And number 10, Tyler, the Creator. The Meek thing is surprising to me. I like Meek. That I was Mills. That was Mills and Robbie. You got two Rick Ross. You got two MG artists up there. This, like, I wouldn't even, Meek and Ross can't be in the same list. Yeah. You gotta kind of pick and choose, and then on top of that, I feel like Meek just hasn't like. Where's the classic at? Right. Was it? Was that? Was the mixtape that was really good? DC two. Two. Yeah, yeah. DC two, amazing. But where's the classic at? Where's the classic intro? Yeah, classic intro for sure. I, I, I was gonna say too, like I mean, it's gonna lead into sort of the album talk, but like culture. Bad and Bougie is a classic Migos song, but culture isn't a classic Migos album or project to me personally. So I don't know. I just feel like it was a there's some flaws. Migos was definitely batted around in the album contention part, but I I think my biggest thing was I gotta I gotta ride for Nicki. I gotta I gotta ride for Thug here. Like I feel like they weren't. I was talking from an idea of inspiration who who he inspired. And if you want to talk about Wiz inspiring people, I think Thug is definitely up there. It should be a lot, a lot higher than fucking eight. You know, like I, I was just very, I was very adamant on, about that point. I think yeah, Thug was like. I think me and you had five on yeah. the initial list, and because I don't think anybody can argue the top four. No, I don't think the top four for this specific decade could be argued against. Uh, it starts to get shaky around. It's interesting that Josh thinks that Meek and Rick Ross can't both be on the list. Like, is it because they're too similar? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, nah, it's a similar. It's motivational street rap. Is is uh, and you know one does not exist without the other, True. and the one is Rick Ross. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, come on, like so I, this is why I wanted to invite Josh to the chat <laughs> to that group. Yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm not. I just feel like that's 
I definitely think Wiz needs to be on the list. Without a doubt. Like, I, that's, he's a shoe A lot of people did. Yeah, I didn't have Wiz on my list, admittedly. I didn't have him on my list. But I wasn't thinking, you know, it was recency bias. So it's like. No, I get it. I get it. I wasn't thinking. He's a legacy like, artist already. Yeah, like, I'm right. not thinking. But that shows his, his, his impact and longevity yeah. and influence. He's a legacy artist and he's not even 40 years old. He didn't even got to work again yeah. in his life. Like, he's only 12 million every year. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Dies, exactly. Right. Like, I, it's, it's crazy that, like, even in recency bias, you're not thinking of someone in the moment, you're thinking of them, like, you're not even thinking about it at all. But I'm just like, yeah, I used to wear camel shorts. Yeah. yeah, everyone wanted the blonde streak in their hair. Like, of course, like, we were watching, people still do it. We were watching him record. I remember in high school, we were watching him record, like, his music when he used to do on the U stream. We would yeah. be in class, like, watching those videos instead of paying attention. How he was making a song for Cassie that yeah, time. Bro, like, I mean, you got to even think about, like, the. the it's funny you mentioned the, the blonde streak in the hair because that was like later with, but then you got to think about like that whole Atlanta resurgence yeah. and like the hipster side of Atlanta. Like he was right there. He would kind of introduce that to the mainstream. Yeah. That, that, that we don't boys video. Yeah. Like that was all in. A lot of niggas wasn't doing that old man dance to the boys And now that's the nigga dance. You, <laughs> the club and you don't know how to dance. You doing that dance. <laughs> And that nigga that's doing that dance in the club right now is probably doing it because he saw Wiz do it. That's fair. That's so, absolutely fair. Uh, one one artist who we'll move on to the next list was batted around for a while. It came down to the wire. He got put off the list. Travis Scott was put off the list. I'm not, I'm not mad at that just because Travis Scott is like Travis Scott is dope. He is the artist of the, the decade after what this exactly. what we're talking about. Yeah. But I just think too early. Yeah, too early. Too early. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so the albums list, which once again caused a lot of uh, a lot of debate here, <laughs> top ten albums of, of the decade. I this I think this is what I argue with the most, and what I just no, had I had I had issues with the most, and I just feel like you just can't you just can't put these two albums next to each other. But I'll go through them right now. Uh, number one, <clears throat> uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy uh, by Kanye West, To Pimp a Butterfly, Kendrick Lamar, Anti Rihanna, Nothing Was the Same, Drake. Uh, number five, DS2 Future. Number six, Beyonce self-titled. Number seven, House of Balloons. Number eight, Barter Six, Young Thug. Number nine, Teflon Don, Rick Ross. And number 10, Culture. All right. <laughs> Here we go. I'm just confused. That's all I got to say. <laughs> when did the decade start and begin? Because Culture came out when? 2017. And then... 2010 through now is pretty much oh that's what we're doing yeah okay. now. I was confused as fuck I'm like what the fuck is going on here but I feel like there was like some albums before 2010 that were on this list but maybe I'm just tripping uh my beautiful dark twisted fan of me was 2010 okay those are probably those are the two oldest albums oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay maybe I'm tripping alright yeah. and House of the Moon is confused ass nigga right here <laughs> smoke a lot of weed <laughs> I was arguing at the time for two things I had Barter 6 higher but I wasn't really gonna fight for it going lower I just felt as though like people were trying to Pose me on the thug thing once again, but my beautiful dark twisted fantasy I don't think is more of an encapsulation of the decade than Rihanna's anti. Like Rihanna's anti has some type of music, every type of music from this decade: dancehall, pop, rap, like a little bit of alternative. It has everything in it. Like I don't think that when you look back on 2010, that people are gonna be saying that Kanye album was the album of the decade. And that's just it. Don't matter if you think it's better. I'm talking about in the time capsule. I wouldn't listen to this and say this is this could have came out in 2010, 2011, 2012. I'm thinking of anti like damn this had every jam on it for three years straight since it's come out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I'm not mad at that. It's funny me looking at this list. I, don't, I keep coming back to this. Nine and ten are so easily replaceable to me, and I got the perfect albums to replace it with. Like what's that? 
Flockavelli. Oh. Came out 2010. Flockavelli will replace Teflon Don to me. And then I think 10, I would slide in Frank Ocean Channel Orange. If we're going to do this. He, like, he lost basically he lost. his own greatness in my opinion. It was a split on between Channel Orange and Blonde between huh. people. Yeah. yeah. His yeah. own greatness. His own greatness came, came out. People love Blonde? Yeah, me and I've me never heard anyone play this. Show. <laughs> I, I love Blonde. Who the fuck would you play this? Show? Do you play it? Yeah, basically in the this is up there with Josh. This shit crazy. <laughs> like people love Blonde. I'm like I've never heard anyone play this. Song. This is up there with Josh. But, who yeah. the fuck listens to Michael Jackson in their free time? I mean, <laughs> facts. Like literally. I swear to you, I don't know nobody like, yo, throw on the mic jack right now. Who does that? <laughs> now, there's another problematic artist that you would throw on in your free time. Oh, no, no, right don't now. even say it. Don't even say but it. It is what it I'm is. I'm going to tell you what I had on my list that ended up getting bumped. I had My Crazy Life on my list. That's crazy. I had that on my list, too, um, in my mind. But you got to pick a butterfly, which is like that's a similar story. But my crazy life is like for the West Coast. I was gonna say like for the West Coast, without a doubt, it's on there. Well, easily, yeah, for sure, like, easily. I think it's fair to say that like there's a lot of things that it was a tough decision, and I think that Kanye to me, and I and I said this to the guys like I'm looking, again, it's recency bias, but it's also like I don't think that like a lot of that shit will stand the test. Of, like like I was like you know what I, at one point I was like you could put Jesus there. And I wouldn't be mad. Not nah, that I would one. be mad for sure. My, like, not that one. No, nah, I think my build, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy should be up there just because, like, that changed the game for how people made albums. If you listen to that album, a lot of niggas started making albums with that cinematic feel and approach and bringing these different people together on these type of songs. Like, when you look at my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, that is Rodeo, but before Rodeo. Okay. And what he was doing Rodeo. So I kind of, like, that's what I think about when I see, when I see that on this. But time. number one? I mean, I just feel like it changed the way people made albums. Like, a lot of those albums that came after that were influenced by that album a little bit in some shape or form. Yeah, yeah. Back to what I was saying, though, about the Flockavelli thing, I really want this on there just because, like, I feel like that ushered in not lowering the bar for rap, but allowing rappers to go back to being like, yo, I'm just going to make some shit that sounds good yeah. and has energy. Like, that brought energy and feeling back to the game where it wasn't so much bars and what yeah. you're saying. And like now you have Playboy Cardi's, mm-hmm. even Lil Uzi Vert who's rapping more, but he's still using that same energy. Pump, like yeah. there would be no pump without no fucking love. Absolutely. So like I think I think that just needs that album needs to be appreciated more, and I think it had a bigger impact on culture than no pun intended culture. Yeah. And, and Teflon Down. I and I feel that way. I'm sorry, but I feel that way about Frank Ocean Channel Orange too. But I feel like that album was the first. Alternative R&B album okay. Where it was like Some shit that was like R&B But it was still like On some like Indie type film mm-hmm. And even how it came out It was like Some shit that was Just like Drop the sky yeah. yeah like I remember That shit was on Tumblr And I was like I, I had met Frank before But I didn't really know What the fuck he did Or was doing <laughs> And I'm like Oh this is the nigga That be like Just hanging around like, <laughs> And then I'm like Oh shit this shit's good yeah. like, what the fuck And then to see how That shit swelled And like how he was signing Def Jam now. He forced Def Jam's hand. Like, that album changed culture and, and changed uh, just hip-hop and industry and what was going on. So, like, I definitely think those two need to be appreciated a little bit more than what they were. And I think the Frank Ocean argument, I didn't really jump too deeply into it, but I was like, I did I did hit a Joshua's when I said, niggas listening to Frank Ocean? Yeah. Niggas is definitely listening to Frank Ocean. I don't know about Blonde. For a decade? But Channel Orange, <laughs> niggas are throwing Channel Orange to be straight. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> some, like, real, like, like, some, like, hood, 
grow in confidence yeah. and like a chick that will reads the fader every morning. Yeah. Like they can listen to that and be like, yo, this is like a classic. I I, I believe that. I think, I think the I mean and a lot of people on back to the artist list, they thought Flocka should have been on the artist list, and I think him being on the artist list would have been an easy shoe in for him to be on the albums, the albums list. list. But then then again a lot of people say Keith should have been on there. And do you, do you feel like Finally Rich is like an album that deserves a mention in the top 10? I, I'm, I don't think it should be in the top 10, definitely top 20. For sure. But yeah, it's like Finally Rich is great and it, it definitely brought some, it was a great album, it's a yeah. classic. It, it's in the same argument as uh, My Crazy Life Team. Yeah. So it's for that region, it was dope and for that time, but it's like you gotta be a certain type of person to really identify it and hope the highest. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough, I mean, anti again. I just go back to anti and just what it did, man. Like. And when you, this is like what makes it so hard is when you think of everything that's happened over the course of this ten years, pretty much yeah. in hip hop. Like there's going to be there was bound to be people who got left off, right? That have valid arguments for being on both of these lists. How'd you for what weekend was added back on? Because he he yeah, House of Blues wasn't on there at first. Yeah, House of Blues. My crazy life right? was on at first, and they swapped it, and then we swapped. I'm not mad at House of Blues because the mixtape version that shit was like. Epic. I'm never yeah, forgetting. Like, I was like, yo, this is yeah. Um, that my life. But how do you feel about nothing? Well, we, we did a, a kind of crazy switch there. We had to decide because at first at one point we had multiple future albums on this list. Mm-hmm. And most of the other future albums. I had Hendrix I had Hendrix and DS2 on mine. The final list Ooh, ended up, the, the initial final list ended up having two Drake and two Kendrick albums. Okay. Yeah. So people were like wow. good kid Massey made it and take care and nothing was the same made. So we had to make a choice. Huh. As to what album was set, it was easy for me to pick Tupac Butterfly. I think that's the yeah, no, 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 no. Um, But I think nothing was the same to Take Care. I think not picking Take Care might have been the reason why it ended up at number four. Why nothing was the same? I think if four. Take Care would have been on the list, how you're arguing for anti number one, there potentially could have been an argument for Take Care yeah. to be higher as well. I had Take Care on my list initially. It was my number three album yeah. behind my movie Dark Touch Fantasy and Tupac Butterfly. But once we decided we were just going to take one from each, I went ahead and went with the album that I felt was better. I think Take Care is the, the album for the, the finding album. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, think, I don't think anybody would argue that. I don't think that it's his personal best body of work. Yeah. And that's why once we ended up deciding we were going to take one of each. I think that hurt him. That's hard. I, I think that hurt him a little bit. That's hard. It's funny. I do think, I don't know, Take Care is great. It's a great album. I'm looking at the track list right it's now. It's long as shit. Favorite. That's my only thing. I mean, but then nothing with the yeah. That's the thing. Nothing with the same was really concise. Like yeah, and it was a really good. It was a great album too. Like, and you know, what's great about this album is details all over it. Which yeah, I think detail really brought the sauce to a lot of what Drake did late, like at that time and later on, and what Future was doing now. Yeah, like detail really came in and like helped give that R and B sauce. To that. And Future was pretty much a no brainer. Like no one argued. Yeah. No. should be or should not be on this list and I think that's how it should it be. It was people arguing for DS2 to be number one on the list. That's I mean Robbie thought DS2 should be number one. And, and so he was Would you have would you have been upset if you saw DS2 at number one? Nah, I wouldn't have been upset, but I would have been like, all right, like niggas is just like Why? Yeah, <laughs> right now. We almost also had Die Lit on this list at number two. I would have been very disappointed. <laughs> Honestly. I get it and I understand where people are coming from, but I would have been very disappointed on this list. So uh, yes, that that was the artists and albums list from RNC Decade. I, I wanted to talk about this list here so that we finally gave Josh his, his opportunity to speak on yeah. this list. Now that he gets to see what it is. And uh, I mean, thanks to everybody who engaged with it and was talking about it, who's still talking about it to this day. Um, I mean, you know, it's one of our biggest 
most viral things we've done on RNC Radio uh, on, on our page. So thank you very much for listening to that. Uh, before we get to the topic of, of the day, I asked everyone in the chat a couple of weeks ago a topic that they wanted us to speak on. And Huey, shout out to Huey, Huey once again, another name drop for him. He, he brought up like what were our thoughts on using the media in, pro, in promotion for an album, like uh, how Dreamville did it for Revenge of the Dreamers 3. And they brought it, they flew all, all these people. And there was like this big stink around like, why are they bringing some of these people in and not some of these other people? And where are the women at and blah, blah, blah. Like, how do we feel? Do we feel like that kind of like dilutes the album cycle to, like just to you know obviously if I get invited I'm gonna love the album because I was there you know what I'm saying nah I don't think that's true and I and honestly I don't think that was the intention I, I like the idea of inviting media, media I think it would be cool if you kind of like was equal opportunist about it and invited yeah. one person from each publication yeah. I think Rihanna did that when she did the like 777 tour that was hell though yeah that, that, was, <laughs> that was terrible but you had a person from every platform or publication <laughs> Who could tell their side of it and tell them how, like, you know, whatever they felt. That was that idea going wrong. Yeah. I think the Dreamville thing could have been the idea going right because it was a great atmosphere. You had artists creating music, which people always want to see and want to behind the curtain look at. Yeah. So I think it was a good idea. I'm not mad at it at all. I think press is definitely a part of telling a story or a narrative of an album or an artist or a team. So that's needed it's yeah. not like something that's unknown or not, never happened before it's just that they kind of they kind of say okay we're doing it now yeah. like, and that was and I think that was even cool and it's like no one's done that before mm-hmm. and I think I mean just my perspective on it it was a dope idea execution was was really dope as well I yeah, think I they so. haven't capitalized on it as much as they could have mm-hmm. I think you know right after I would have been dropping records or even just kind of like keeping that story alive yeah. in some shape or form or fashion but I don't but I think when they do drop the project, I've heard like bits and pieces of it just because like I have an artist that's on there. So I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a moment and I think now when the album comes out, people are gonna understand what they were doing more and it wasn't like a oh come here and listen to this album and tell us it's good. It was more of a like look at how we make music. Yeah. This is what Cole is cultivating over here. Also, how do they even know how do people even know that they heard the final versions of anything that was going on? Exactly. Yeah. They haven't. <laughs> Honestly, if you were there that week, you haven't heard the final version yeah. of anything. But I think the the dope part about that was that they had media there seeing a dope vibe. Mm-hmm. You had artists in production rooms recording, like you had artists in hallways trading bars, like mm-hmm. That's something that in hip hop that's not really seen, and, and yeah, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So like that was dope. And if media wasn't there to tell that story or, or let us into that side of it, it was something. And straight up shout out to uh, Yo from DJ Booth because he was one of the guys that was there. And I kind of read some of his pieces around that week, and it was dope. It was a good, insightful thing to read. So I think he was the only one that got the most out of it. Yeah, uh, out of everybody. You know, I, I think I, I really did enjoy his piece. It didn't come off as oh man I'm here we're, we're buds we're pals it came off as like I am a fan of the creative process and I got to see what it was like now there were a lot of people who were upset about it at the time and there was a lot of people talking about them with the fight people yo y'all, <laughs> yeah. hey, y'all think it's in this Twitter shit y'all not take it too far I think year 2019 is where like I think it's going too far I've seen so many people like wanting to go to fisticuffs over the tweets 
Y'all wild, man. I ain't seen people go to fisticuffs over the tweets. I ain't oh, seen what? fights and, and little funny shit on the internet. I'm like, yo, this is over tweets. Ain't nobody about to fight over no fucking tweets, man. All right. Get out of here. Niggas have died over these tweets. But uh, there you go. That's our thought on shit media. Be using promo. That's kind of like our RNC radio, a hot topic we're going to do every month. We're going to ask somebody in our chat what, what me and Josh will talk about and what we'll talk about it. But I, what I really want to get into right now. Is, is our topic for today's show. It's been a hot fucking summer. It's a hot summer. We're going to talk about Cameron and the diplomats. Man, the set. The set. Man. Listen, I have pictures of myself. I don't know if you do, but I have oh. pictures of myself with the bandana over the, un, under the, the Bro, fitted cap. I had all the dip set styles. <laughs> I had the bandana over the fitted cap. I had the, the headband with the do-rag. I had all the oversized jerseys. I had uh, I had the sweet speaking of oversized jerseys. BT Brian Thomas, if you out there, man, Inglewood, California. I let you. I think it was like eighth and ninth grade. I let you borrow my white Padres jacket. I never seen it again. <laughs> Fist question. I see you again. Over the tweets. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but nah, I, I feel like nah, like back then. That was just like my style icons. That was like how these kids look up to Travis Scott and yeah. like all that shit now. Were people dressing like that in particular? And we're going to talk about like each and every, each individual member yeah. in a second. But like were people actually, because like it was easy for me in Virginia because we're kind of in the middle. Yeah. So like it was okay to listen to UGK, but everyone got cousins or we got people that kind of like come or commute from New York. So I kind of saw that firsthand because people in my high school would be dressing like that anyway. Yeah. And when Dipset made it cool, it was like, oh shit, let me get my Tims, let me get my Air Force Ones, let me get my fucking purple hat, purple shit. What was it like in, in LA? No, nah, LA was like a select few, but it's funny. Like it was like, it was like the real five niggas who knew. Like if you was a tastemaker and you was up on shit, then you was dressing like these niggas. Yeah. Like, and I remember, like, it was like me and my homie B, uh, not my BC, BC, shout out to you though. But it was my homie Reggie. That was one of the niggas. I was like, that's one of the flyest things I've ever met in my life to this day. Like, always been fly since like middle school, sixth grade, all the way up until now. Yeah. Like, real fly. It's just crazy. But back then, I remember, like, me and that nigga used to be on that shit, like, tall tees. Wearing little pinks and pastels and shit, like throwing that into the wardrobe, yeah. getting the, the, the air, uh, get the motherfucking white air forces and get the, the pink uh, paisley print uh, bandana yeah. on the check, like all that little shit, like that literally like was frowned upon. Like girls would be like, oh, what are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even girls would be like, what the fuck are you doing? So it's like, but I just remember that was like, the, like it was like, nah, we know what we're doing. Like, yeah. this is our dipset doing it. Then when the visuals start coming out, people start seeing that shit. They're like, oh, shit. It is. So. Um, earliest memories of Cameron, I have to say, like, my sister had actually moved to California at one point. And so what she would do was, like, to keep me up on shit, she would send me CDs every single month. Like, she was a big Rockefeller fan. So, like, I told her, yo, I love Old Boy, because back on 103 Jams in Virginia, they would play Old Boy all the fucking time during mix show. So she was like, okay, I'm gonna get you this, this Cameron CD. Bro, I had never heard anything like that in my life. Like, Losing Weight Part 2 was like, bro, what the fuck? Like, when he told you, well, yo, if you get lost, hits the on star, I love you. And then, then the song started, like, that shit was like the, the craziest shit I had ever like, heard in my life. Like, I think more than anything, it was like, they were giving you a vision of like Harlem that not a lot of people like, like at this point there's a lot of rappers from Harlem yeah at that point it was just really them that were coming out of yeah, Harlem yeah no they had and then just the, the fucking just the energy that they was coming with was so different from yeah. what everybody else was coming with yeah. like 
New York, you gotta think about it. Like when you think about the rappers that was coming up at the time, it was just harder. Like it wasn't like bright and flashy, and yeah. like. And that's just that's that Harlem flavor, but it's just like the way they were producing to, or showing it to the world was like a more gangster, gritty side of yeah. it that was still fly and flashy, but just gangster with it. It was gangster and like stylish. So mm-hmm. like you know the old boy video itself, the fucking that nigga Cam had bandanas in his rims, bro. Like <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> no, it was some real true style icon shit. Exactly. Like, they just style icons on their shit. Like, I remember that. And obviously, like, you know, the run in the, in the early 2000s, it, you know, there isn't really, like, the closest or the most adjacent run I could say to the way people treated the dip set at that time was, I would say, like, I'd say Young Thug in a lot of ways. Like, coming up where I was at, like, people would call dip set gay. Yeah. They, would, they, they, they would say, wearing pink is gay, wearing purple is gay. I was like, these guys kind of broke all type of the stereotype, like the male, you know, Tough stereotypes, they broke that shit immediately. And Cam said, Fuck that shit, I'm wearing pink, I'll still shoot your ass. Yeah, no, nah, it was just dope to me because they created their own like ecosystem of just yeah. like, like of what these colors and what this shit meant from like the purpose of bird gang shit to yeah. like having like Don Bishop Agawa and all these people around it. Like, it was like, you can't think these niggas is pussy because it's like they weren't pink and purple, but like, look at these niggas, they're yeah. official. Like, they and they the way they just freaking it was just dope. Like, it was almost like on some like. Oh, it's funny, like, you know when somebody says something to you, like, it's funny, I just was in, uh, I was with my homie from Detroit recently, he was like, yeah, in Detroit, we call everybody uh, my baby, mm-hmm. and he's oh. like, it's not an ovation, it's just yeah. like my baby, and I'm like, that, like, the way they freaked that is the same way Dipset was freaking pink and purple. Yeah, and or saying I love you, telling them, telling your homies that you, yeah. that you love them. Yeah, it's like, it's just like, kind of giving them something different meaning and not, like, ripping away that, that stereotype or that, that toxic masculinity, as they say. <laughs> but they, was, they, they ripped it off, but they still would, like, believe toxic masculinity, because they're, they are the reason why people say no homo today. Since <laughs> And pause. Since <laughs> then. Now, Kim, you were like ten, like two in Dipset. Yeah, I definitely wasn't ten. <laughs> when I was young. I was like, like probably seven, eight years old, second, third grade, Jesus. fourth grade. Yeah. I remember my, my pops. He got me a pink polo, and I remember I wore it to school, like in like third grade. Was your pops a fan? My pops was a fan. He had purple heads, all the camera. Wow. He's a huge Rockefeller fan. Mr. Hey. My pops was like, shout out, Mr. Hey. So I had a pink polo. I went to school. You you are you can only imagine how that shit went as a nine year old, eight year old. So I remember I got in a fight that day because I had on a pink polo. Wow, you got blood on it? No, I didn't get it. I didn't get no blood on it. It's so fucking dirty for sure. It's so crazy that people actually literally think that colors are gay. Yeah, but that's the craziest thing. Little kids, little girls, like you ain't know like like the girl, girl, all the girls had on pink and shit. So then I come to school one day with pink, and I knew what was coming. Yeah. The day when my dad picked it out for me to wear to school that day, man, I knew what was coming. Did school. you walk in with your fist clenched? Like I was ready. I was on ten and all day. I was ready, bro, because I knew what was coming. And sure enough, at recess. I mean, I think the popping, I think the moment for everybody is the killer cam uh, video where he comes up like the fucking Undertaker from under the fucking street with that pink. And I still want this jacket. The pink diplomats, like it was like a Pele Pele jacket. I'll never forget when he comes up from from that shit and he starts rapping it. Like then the fucking pink Range Rover pulls up oh, and he starts rapping. Like, is there a more iconic moment of, in your teenage life? Like, I can't think of one right now. Like that shit was like so iconic to me. That was just nah. It's just funny. Like that was just that's what I'm saying. Like they really defined generation. Yeah. Really like laid the blueprint from just how shit should look. 
Uh, for a long out. time. Yeah. For a very long time. Like I could think of maybe 2002 all the way to 2005, it was nothing but them. Like mixtapes, everything. Like the slang, vernacular, everything. One thing I want to talk about is their obsession with uh, 9-11 and 9-11 imagery. <laughs> uh, Jewels has a mixtape called Final Destination. I don't know if you guys remember that mixtape. I do remember that. With Jewels in front of the, the, the Twin Towers. This was maybe six to eight months removed from that event happening with one of the planes flying into it. What Do you think that they kind of also kind of ushered in the shock rap era at that time? No, nah, it's funny though. The, the fascination with that shit is funny to me. Because <laughs> That's I, the word, fascination. No, nah, it's just because it was a... Pardon my words, the fascinating event. It was. Yeah, so it's like, it was just something like coming, and I'm pretty sure them being from New York, being closest to that shit, affected them in a million different ways. Like, I remember they talking about the coke prices being up this shit. <laughs> I could only imagine what the drug prices were like after that shit happened. That's like some real shit. They need to do some type of like, I don't know, Vice, if y'all still doing this little warrioristic type of shit. Y'all need to do some in-depth shit about the drug market after 9-11 in New York. Because I was just curious what it was like. But back to topic, the shit like, nah, it's just funny, like, they, their obsession with that time, I think it was more Jewels than anybody, honestly. Yeah, Jewels and then Jim Lightly, I don't really remember too much camera. Follow me through the debris of these towers. Yeah, but that, what I'm saying, like, that shit was a real moment, that shit probably just affected the streets in a lot of different ways. A young Muhammad Atta, no plane lessons. What is going in, bro? So to name drop like a, a like a regular rapper, quote unquote, would name drop a song been live. That's that's like all right. If you even watch the news, Future still does that. Yeah, you just seen some shit and watch the news. But this nigga's a name dropping <laughs> the real shooters. <laughs> God damn! What the hell is wrong with y'all, bro? Like, get the fuck out of here. Hey. But no, like I mean, that was just a part of it. It was like as a kid, like I think about it now as an adult. It's like. I was really saying these fucking lines and I wasn't thinking nothing of it. <laughs> they thought we never survived, like like great American pie. Like that that shit yeah. is like nuts. If anything, it sparked an interest in this shit and made me study what was going on more than I should anyway. This is true. So this is true. Salute to you guys. We we also I, I also think that like one another thing that I, I think you could say as a parallel to like really what the South had to face, and it's gonna be interesting and another point I'm gonna make about the diplomats is that like a lot of people call them mumble rap. Like they called yeah. Cameron literally the first, like he was the yeah. first mumble rapper at the time. Nah, I remember that. I mean, get them girls and that whole verse and just the way he played with words and that people were like, it was so coded. Yeah, but people weren't ready for that. And that's it. Yeah, that's funny. I remember um, it was BuzzFeed. They did a, actually, they did a, they found Cameron's nursery rhymes. Oh, yeah. And had like, I remember that whole little story. It was corny. Just, yeah, it was corny and it was just. I mean, at the time, it's probably funny, but it is what it is. That's when the internet and hip-hop were really starting to first merge. That was probably like the first quote-unquote meme. That was yeah. one of the first hip-hop memes, I think. Cameron. Yeah, but um, nah, it's funny just the way like people perceive that type of shit. It's just like, if you go back to it, that's just like having style. Like, they had rap styles, and like they was bringing that, like, you can almost think about old rap and how it was like hip-hop, hippie-hippie, but it was just like some real, like you said, coded language behind that yeah. shit, and it meant something, so. I, yeah. I think again, get him girls, holy moly, pokey pokey. Like you know what he's saying if you really listen to. It. I remember having to have this argument with like the real hip hop cats in high school, and Lord forgive me for ever doing that shit. But I was like, yo, you guys don't understand what this what this nigga's saying. Like it's actually really deep, and it's like he's actually saying some shit in here, and no one was ready for it. And I think like I draw that parallel to today. Like a lot of people don't understand southern slang. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand like. 
even like you want to go to even mainstream, they don't understand Toronto slang. Like they, yeah. they they still don't understand the type of you know that type of thing. But they, they didn't they weren't mumble rap. It was like literally language. Yeah, this exactly. is how they talked in their hood. Like yeah. that's what it was. I mean, I think Jim took it a, a bit further. Even with those radio interviews, like the Mace interview, he was like Goody Goos. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's one of the greatest interviews I've ever heard in my fucking yeah. life, bro. Yeah, no, that's real. No, it's funny you talk about the interviews. Even in the, the interviews, they were kind of dropping slang and words that people just didn't understand or get. But you have to know. You have to be in the know. You have to know what... You just have to listen to Dipset music. You yeah. know what they were talking about to understand what they were saying. Harlem's own Rider Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, who, who else came up with shit like that? Like, I, I think that more than anything, like, they captured us as kids because they were, like, counterculture. They were rebellious. They were exactly like, I love Jay-Z, but there was a point when I was a kid, I was like, man, Jay-Z is a routine. Like, I can get this from anybody. I can't get the, I can't get the Jewel skit where the nigga get head and the girl throws up on his shit. Like, I can't get that from Jay-Z. He's too respectable. Like, these dudes are still grimy. They're still hungry. And and I like that. And another thing I like about Dipset is that how they, they kind of reached out to all aspects of rap in itself. Like, from the South, of course, obviously they fuck with New York, but they fuck with the West Coast. They fuck with literally everyone on the map. I think they were the first people from New York or the tri-state area that reached out to Houston at one point. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think they reached out to Houston, reached out to the West Coast with Jim Jones and Game. Yeah. Like they were definitely one of the first like rap acts from New York that embraced other regions because it was always that East Coast West Coast tension and just like I think New York rappers as a whole always have this like, oh, we was birthed here, this is our shit, yeah. like kind of stay out of the way type shit. And they were one of the first ones who kind of like spread, like just were fucking other people, like yeah. Cam doing the song Body Body Part Three with Master P, like or Lil Flip, like him and Cam yeah. had their own mixtape, like him yeah. and Lil Flip used to rock real, real heavy together. I thought that was like really dope because it was like the South was something that at the time I was just really starting to get into. Like yeah. I, obviously I hear it, you know, it, on the radio and at home, but it was like okay, let me start to delve a little bit deeper into who these people were. Cameron introduced a lot of people to, I mean. Some people didn't even think. Some people thought like Three Six Mafia was done. Yeah. And they came out with the Scissor remix yeah. on, on their on their little mixtape as well. I, I think that like I wouldn't have known what the game was. Like I don't know if you knew what the game no, was. No, definitely. No, it's funny. Like I was already hit, but like that was a dope moment because it was like, oh shit, I was already hip to the game. And then when Jim Jones did some shit with him, I was like, oh shit, like he's, he's dead set. Yeah, I was like, these is my niggas. They fuck with game. Like yeah, yeah he's yeah, we're rapper now. Yeah. Like, he's really about to pop. And I think it's funny you brought up the uh, the Scissor shit because like. Dipset were the first guys that were like really like entrepreneurs, though. entrepreneurs, and just like about hip hop culture. Like it didn't matter where you were from, it didn't matter what you were. They were like, "Yo, we're hip hop. We at the Grammys with fucking jerseys and shit on. Y'all hip hop too. Y'all might be from the south, but we're gonna brace y'all. We're gonna brace y'all culture because yeah. it's our culture." Yeah, and I think that's pre-internet. That's what the internet is now with hip hop. It's like everybody's from different places, but they're like, "Yo, this is hip hop culture." And I think Dipset kind of did it first, and they. They were like really like the cultivators and the first people who really like went and grabbed shit from other places and just made it their own. And they monetized it more than anything. Yeah. Like I don't know anyone who was about their money like fucking Cameron and Jim Jones and Jewel Santana at that time. Like yeah. literally everything they did turned to street gold. I mean, they, it all translated at that time. They were putting out like, you understand, like they did everything from clothing to movies to porn Killer seasons. Lip sets. <laughs> Literally, like, I mean, nah, like, you gotta think about these niggas have done everything, like, it's crazy, so it's like, I don't know, I don't think they get the proper respect nowadays, because it's like... Well, people want to compare them to, like, somebody compared them to Wu-Tang one time, and I said, no, they're they're not Wu-Tang, like, 
these are the first, they're the, honestly to me, the first internet act. Like, they're the first internet rap group where it was like, I remember going to umad.net oh or SOHH.com, all hip hop. Like, the pe- everyone was talking about these things. Like, UMAD, that's a classic. I name. had all of my foreign internet forum names was Killer Cam. That's funny. All of them was. And I would literally talk like him on the forums. <laughs> literally, like, I would talk like him on the forums. Like, right, every, I would type out his vernacular on there. Like, I was like, what, 14 at the time, but I was like, yo, like, he's so influential to me that, like, yo, I'm, I'm gonna be like this on the internet. Because at the time, it was, it was cool to be like a different person yeah. on the internet. Now you gotta, now it's like, look, you know, it's, it's frowned upon it. Today, now it's not, like, you gotta be your resume. Yeah, like, but it's like, <laughs> you know, 2002, 2003, like, that was a cool thing to do. I remember that, I remember a bunch of white people hated me on, on video game forums because I would literally be on video game forums talking about camera. That's comedy. I was always like, I used to be on forums, I just always lurked. That was that <laughs> time you talk to strangers. <laughs> What is going on here? But no, it's funny that I just think about like my like Dipset was really like those guys. Like I had a big ass Jim Jones, not Jim Jones, uh, Joel Santana Santana poster in my room. Yeah, next to a Boys in the Hood poster. Boys in the Hood the movie, not motherfucking cheesy, you know. Late fees this this week. Oh yeah, that's crazy. I can talk about that. But like literally, I like I used to get these posters. Like you know, they did snipes in the road. Yeah. So in LA, they used to put them on like the, the stop signs and shit like that. And like literally, I would have my mom stop her car, hop out, rip the poster <laughs> off, like rip it off perfectly so I could preserve it, like with the staples and shit. Sure. And I put them up in my room. And I remember I had what the game been missing. It was like Joel's face with like the chess pieces and shit. Damn, that, I mean, speaking of what the game's been missing, there was a second half of the Dipset run. I mean, it felt like forever yeah. from 2002 all the way to 2005. But the second run effectively started in 2005. I had just got to college at that point. Kanye West was blowing up. I feel like a lot of things were changing in hip hop at that time. I mean, Dipset was, was not a, you know, there was no difference with that. Uh, the, the end of the Dipset run, so to speak. Yeah, no, nah, that was. It's funny, like when it started at the end, I was like, damn, this it was. Like, it, I was like, is this indie right now? Like, yeah, it was like one of those like, all right, I'm about to step in the y'all world real quick. Yeah, <laughs> you remember like wrestling and shit. Like you remember when motherfucking uh, when it was like the Ministry of Darkness and it was like whooping like everybody ass. <laughs> they was like springing niggas up and shit. <laughs> Bro, you remember watching that shit? And be like, is this really happening? Is this doing this? Two niggas is winning, like. But but to dig, I mean to dig deeper into y'all world, I knew it was over when Dipset started getting different teams. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like it started to like splinter off, and like you have like members of Bird Gang, which was amazing. Like Jim Jones was really good <laughs> shit. Max B and the Mel Matrix, Free Mel Matrix, Trey Way. Oh my god, <laughs> Trey Way. Always a way to connect this to Six Nine. <laughs> Free. Fucking Mill Matrix. I don't know about that snitch nigga, but <laughs> shout out to 6 9 You made some good music by your shit. But I would say, like, no, when it started splintering off, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? And then I remember, I remember uh, it was around like Summer Jam New York and all that shit was going on. And then fucking Jim Jones went on fucking uh, Rap City. Yep, I never forget that. With 50 Cent. I was like, what is this nigga doing? Like, it was the, again, y'all world shit. It was literally when someone came out and turned their back on the good guy in wrestling. And Jim Jones came out from behind the curtain. Like, 50 was like, come on back here, Jim. Come on. I, and, and, to, and mind you, a lot of these videos have been scrubbed off the internet. Like, I can't find any of these videos. Like, if someone can find this Rap City video with Jim Jones with 50 basically co like co yeah. him from behind it. It's so crazy because I just remember so specifically, like, Jim Jones, you look like a fucking idiot right now. <laughs> he looked out like, you look like, <laughs> <laughs> you look like 
longer getting used. Do you understand that? And like 50 looked like he doing the user. 50 said, hey, you are an evil genius, my guy. Because it went, I mean, and, and again, like 50 was kind of like the crux of that beef because that's where it started from. Because I mean, and, and then like the second half of that run, Dipset had all but lost all of their uh, mainstream support. Yeah. You know, they had all left Def Jam and Rockefeller at that time. Cameron had gone to Koch at the time. It was still called Koch Records. Yeah. And he was, you know, talking about all these lucrative deals that he had with Koch Records. <laughs> and he said, hey, it was, if that's what the numbers I was getting back then, salute. Hey, he was like, I'm making six dollars a record. All right, broke it down. I was like, this is your man. At that point, I was like, hey, yo, don't say anything, bro. Like, yeah. it was so crazy. Like, but again, it was it was almost like wrestling. It was like, hey, like even though I left this federation, I'm in this new one. I'm making way more money, and I was like, okay, that still can't be still doing it. But it was like it was a string of different things for Cameron at that point. It was the Fifty Cent thing. It was him getting shot. Yeah. And it was him uh, eventually having a, a, a dust up, if you will, with, with true life that led to it's going to be a hot it's going to be a hot summer. Get my fucking pool in the back. Yeah. And it was it was uh, not it was not as big as Kanye's pool. Do niggas remember the? But all right, there was that one. And then there, do y'all niggas remember when he jumped off the whip? What did he say? I don't even remember if he said anything. But he just jumped off the whip and then had a bitch twerking behind him. It's like. <laughs> He said some wild shit. He was like, just get her twerking. And he just walked off screen. I was like, wow, this nigga Cam was on some shit right now. <laughs> but it was, it was that. It was Jim Jordan. And I think like a lot of it was like the confusion. You know, we're all young at this point. It was like, what's causing them to like break up right now? It was like, it seemed as though Jim wanted to go this way. Ballin' had, had blown up at that point. He was even dissing Jay-Z. That's how big Jim yeah. Jones was yeah. at this point. Jay-Z didn't even pay attention to Cameron. He paid attention to Jim Jones Man. and actually made a diss to Jim Jones. Jim Jones was like, I won. Nah, that shit was funny too. That was like, remember we made Harlem's American Gangster? Yeah. <laughs> All right, my dude. Like, <laughs> it's funny. That was a funny moment. That was just like, Dame putting the, the battery in Jim's back. And, and Cam's back, honestly. Dame and Jim, Jim not even all the way being cool. It was just a lot of little politics going on. That shit was just funny to see because it was like, damn, like, if you remember, like, the glory days of Rockefeller, you were like, yo, Rockefeller, dope. Like, they got state property, yeah. they got Dipset, they got Jay-Z, they got Dame Dash. And, like, to see all that shit splinter off and break up and not be as unified as you thought it was, it was like, a, I don't know, it was like some, you know, some childhood. Yeah. Everyone, and that's what I said. I, I saw on Twitter the other day. Like, have you ever, have you seen this tweet where it was like all the chains of every label? And it was like, if you could be in one label, what would it be? And then there was like a Cash Money, and then there was a Rockefeller one. There was a, you know, all these different chains. Everybody was like, I want to be Rockefeller. And every time I saw that, I was like, <laughs> like, there's a shelf life on that. Like, there's obviously a shelf life on that. I think I don't know. I always it, Rockefeller good. didn't end very well for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, shit, none of it. If you look at all of them, the, all, I'm like the ones you named. That shit ain't ending too well for none of them. No. Uh, so, who could I say? Rockefeller was cool as shit though. It was cool. The chain was the chain. Was chain, was chain was like everything. Chain was fire. Yeah, I remember even when we like me and young, like that yeah. shit was cold to like me and shit when I was like nine, ten. Oh yeah. That was the first like piece of jewelry I saw. Where I was like, I gotta have it. I need that. Or yeah. like the Rockefeller chain that had the the world, like the uh, the Rockefeller oh, yeah. worldwide one, yeah, the Latino yeah. one that had all the colors yeah, in it, true life had, like, yeah, Aztec. Yeah, Aztec and, and, and them had it, like, that was that was wild, but it was like, at the moment, like, you just kind of saw it, that, that was the first kind of hip-hop dynasty that we saw die before our eyes, because like, when Diplomats joined Rockefeller, it was like, oh shit, this is like, this is huge, like, they're gonna be the biggest thing ever, but now when they, when they broke off, and it was like, it, it just didn't end well, and I mean, you continue with that, with like Joel just kind of fading out of obscurity after that second album, and like he just kind of disappeared, and he, and he never came back. And then in the end, it didn't end super well for Joel Santana, who was now in prison. 
Yeah. It's crazy. And yeah, also, no teeth. No- Jesus <laughs> Christ. I saw a picture of him and somebody was like, yeah, man, he looked like he don't got no teeth. I'm like, fuck. Why don't nigga look like that? He ain't really, he's not smiling, but cool. But yeah, like I mean, Dipset obviously was a, was a moment in culture for, yeah. for all of us, like from fashion to everything. I think like I still wake up and, and, and go through those mixtapes. I had a, I had a huge Diplomat Volume One through Five rerun a couple uh, months ago, like where I just had to listen to it. You know, it's my favorite shit. The title stays in Harlem. That was really good. That was my shit. Which one? What was your favorite volume? Uh. What was the one that had? What was the one that had a lot of May shit on there? They were talking shit about Mace. Oh, so uh, two. Oh no, 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 no. That was uh, no, that was Nas. Um. Oh wait. That wasn't a volume. Yeah, maybe that. it was a Nas one then. No, yeah. it was two. I think it was a Nas one. Was volume two was the one with Hate Me Now, and I'm, a lot of people don't realize this, but all those volumes had all songs from a different community on it, and I was like, did they realized it was literally putting the same songs on this shit over. Yeah, we're not. I, I think that was even the plan. It was like we can music through the mixtapes first and yeah. then putting on the album after and I think that was like the first time people had like street singles and yeah. not even the first time but when people were really like playing with that concept in a different way I think that shit was really dope I love my community I think it's a classic I think my biggest hang up about it is that they couldn't clear any of those fucking samples like mm-hmm. so why even put those shits on there like they didn't even try and put like you ought to know on there or anything like that like they literally just replay the same like what's really good is a fucking shame that we could get the coming to America sample on that. Right. It was it was literally the worst thing ever. But uh for that moment in time, diplomats, uh for this hot summer that's coming up, we dedicated to you. Thank you so much for being a beacon of who we are today. Uh, I don't think I'd be who I was today. I, I'm thinking about, I'm, I might drop like my old Cameron pictures when they, when this episode comes. I gotta out. find someone. Uh, this would be a good uh, throwback Thursday. Yeah, for sure. Like when, when this drops, like we gotta drop our, our, our throwback pictures of the of the dip set. But uh, once again, thank you guys for listening to RNC Radio Live podcast. Uh, what do we got next month, Josh? Do we know yet? Are we gonna? Uh, shit, I don't know yet. We gotta think about it. If you got some uh, ideas for us, send it in. Yeah, for next month in July, we will be here in July. Hopefully, it will be hot because it hasn't been fucking hot in LA. Uh, this whole year, honestly. Nah, hasn't been. But uh, ju- I mean, just in case you guys don't know, you can follow us at RNC Radio Live for all of the latest and greatest in all of our playlists. We have shows like Late Fees, RSBN, uh, the RNC Radio podcast you're listening to right now, as well as we have the A Show uh, Live Network, where we, of course, have the A Show there, Spot Callers, and all the other shows that you guys fuck with, as well as podcasts, as well as playlists, everything that you guys could you know possibly conceive. I will be back with you guys this week for late fees. So will Josh. He will be there. Yes, I, sir. I, I gave him a cow, but he's so fucking excited. I'm excited. I'm about to be in there. I got some stories about Johnson <laughs> and his movie, so I can't wait. So ch- check that out on this Friday on the RNC Radio uh, Network. Uh, until then, we'll see you guys next month on the RNC Radio Live Podcast. Peace.